Empire of the Sun. Suns. Empire of the Suns. Wet like on book. Wet like on book. Wet like on book. Arizona Sports presents the Empire of the Suns podcast. Empire of the Suns. Hello there and welcome to the Empire of the Suns podcast. My name is Kellen Olson, joined as always by Kevin Zimmerman. Hello, Kevin. A tradition like any other, not the Masters. The post-draft night edition. What's up? Not much. We uh, waited and waited and waited and waited and waited and... They had a draft pick, so that's that's good we waited. They (laughs) swindled us, those sons of guns. Yeah, so quick recap of the night we were waiting to initially see here if the Suns were going to make a trade for one. Uh, we were on DeAndre Ayton watch. No trade. No reports. Nothing. Nothing new there really on that front, to be honest. Number two, uh, we were waiting on to see if the Suns were going to buy a pick. And again, everything led up to a belief that the Suns would be in a position where they could at least try to do that. Ishpia has been spending money everywhere. But a development that came through today was the finalization of the uh, Bradley Beal trade. Chris Paul, by the way, is a Golden State Warrior. We'll briefly hit on that. The trade was six second-round picks. It was four first-round pick swaps. We'll get to those again in a bit. More, Most importantly, though, on the day, it included cash, and our own John Gambadoro later reported that it was $3.5 million, and if you're not aware, teams can only trade a certain amount of cash each year, so you can't just give away like $47 million or whatever. It's a, it's a set limit, and I think this year the limit was like a little over six, so they had a little bit of money that they spent from the um, Jock Landale trade, included some cash, if you'll remember, but that was like a million or something. So we were looking back at the past history of buying picks and all this kind of stuff, and it was like $4 million, $3.5 million. For example, the Lakers moved up from 47 to 40 this year, and ESPN's David Mediman reported that that was around $4 million just for those seven spots. The Suns gave up $3.5 million in the Bradley Beal trade, putting them down to somewhere between $1.5 to $2 million, and that's not going to be enough to outright buy a pick. That's not going to be enough to really move up at all based on that Lakers price at, at, at all. So once we knew that, it was kind of clear, like, okay, we're looking at a trade. They either they either make a trade for Aiden and it opens up another pick, or they're going to pick at 52. They pick at 52, and they take Tumani Kamara, a forward out of Dayton, who you and I immediately Googled because we did not know who he was. We are not ashamed to admit that. Yes, I wrote a story on him without an hour, but I leaned on Sam Bassini's draft guide heavily. I leaned on the limited amount of clips that I saw. And they come away with a player who it seems like could make an impact for them this year. He certainly has a profile as a prospect. Um, do you want to start with him? Where do you want to start? Chris first, probably. Get that out of the way. I forgot we haven't talked about it on this podcast because we've been talking all day. We'll start there. Okay, that's fair. The official terms. Of the Bradley Beal trade. Six second round picks. That is 23. I'm sorry. That is 24 through 28. And then 2030 as well. So they kept their 20, 29 second round pick. They've still got it. <laughs> but I believe that that was their max. If I'm not mistaken. And then four pick swaps. Those are in 24, 26, 28, and 30. Those are the first round picks that the Suns still have. There was a very strange wave of instant reactions to that trade they're like oh my gosh look the suns don't have any draft capital left it's like where were you guys do you know what a week ago swap means it's a swap even sports (laughs) center yes sports center this was not a parody account situation there was actually real sports center who tweeted out they didn't have a draft pick until 2031 that is not correct now the swaps are Again, uh, something that... Beca- Do you remember protected, uh, heavily protected pick eras where uh, front offices would tell their fans, we got a future first-round pick, and it was like a heavily protected first-round pick that was going to turn into two seconds, and it never was going to be a first-round pick? Do you remember that era Is for that a little like bit? like the Robin Lopez trade yeah. with the... T- um, I'm sure there was some, some kind of example with Phoenix. Anyway, this 2024 first-round pick swap, 
every like I don't know what would have to go wrong in order for the Suns to have a worse record than the Wizards or finish higher than uh, they'd have to miss the playoffs and then win the lottery or something like that's the only way it would really come into a factor they're not going to miss the playoffs 2026 probably not I mean maybe Kevin Durant is uh, that is still a Kevin Durant year to be clear um, but Devin Booker still in his prime. Bradley Beal, you would assume, still got a whole lot left in the tank at that point. I would, again, assume at the very minimum they're a playoff team. 2028 is where it starts to get a little bit real, but that has layers on it from the Kevin Durant trade where it is the worst pick Washington will get from either Phoenix, Brooklyn, or Philadelphia. So even more unlikely that Phoenix gives it up. And then 2030, that's the one where you're like, yeah, who's on the team in 2030? I have no idea. Yes, the Wizards, in theory, their best player by far is Jordan Poole right now. Their longest tenured player right now is Denny Avdia. What's Bobby Marks's, What's Bobby Marks's thing? God forbid we're all... <laughs> if, we're, if we're even on this earth in 2030. Correct. Um, but it, it could, we, we don't know. So that, that's where it certainly could come back to bite you. And we've seen pick swaps come back to bite you. But at the same time, they have to be contextualized into their value. Not every pick swap is the same. Not every first round pick is the same. Most second round picks are generally the same. That Those are the ones where you're like, okay, whatever. And yes, pick, second round picks matter in the context of team building, especially when you're in a situation like the Suns. But they do not matter hardly at all when you're getting them in a trade like this. If you're able to turn a handful of second-round picks into a player that can help you win basketball games the next season, you do it, and they got Bradley Beal. So I think they're okay. Did you have any more glowing takeaways after the full initial um, wave of information there on the trade being... It seems like um, we're looking at Friday, it sounds like, right? Yeah. For I mean, this to be final, final, official, all that stuff? Yeah, I mean, the Chris Paul thing coming down, I guess, tidbits on that. Gambo says Jordan Poole, Chris Paul flip between Warriors and Suns was asked about. Warriors asked Suns. We don't know what the pick compensations on either end would be. It, I guess the only thing there is, would you rather have Jordan Poole or Bradley Beal? I don't know if we need to go over that, even if it's straight up for Chris Paul. Um, but I guess I would ask you thoughts on Chris Paul to the Warriors because to me it's super interesting from a that's a really aggressive move by the Warriors and it very much signals like that era is basically done like it is we're giving it one more year we didn't think Jordan Poole fit at all Chris Paul defensively probably not a lot worse even at this age than Jordan Poole if he's healthy but there's weird fit issues um the ball sticking issues with him are super interesting on that team, more more so than even the problems it caused on the Suns. He and Draymond fitting if Draymond comes back. Um, what what do you think about just that move? Does it hurt them, help them? I don't know. I think it's funny when I think of the D'Angelo Russell trade when he got to the Warriors. I think of this room because we were that was a draft night trade. And I remember kind of being taken aback by it and trying to really figure out what it meant and trying to really figure out the insides of the of the trade and everything. And we were in this room um, podcasting that night. I think that if this is the Warriors Warriors big move, which it seems like it it has to be sort of they don't really have any other options left besides uh, signed Draymond. I guess they could trade some of those Moody Kaminga types. Maybe. I don't know. But if this is their biggest shift, move, whatever, I don't think it moves the needle for them to move into the tier with the Nuggets. I think that they're, I don't know, again, it's so unclear what these teams look like. We have no idea what the Suns look like, but I guess like to guess they're somewhere around the Suns tier right now. I think it's really fascinating and I think I kind of like it, but look, people are like, those Warriors don't run pick and roll guess what now they do they have chris yeah. paul you're not going to just not run pick and roll with chris paul what yes you're gonna have to change your offense because chris paul one of the greatest pick and roll ball handlers ever is on your team like you get and you have draymond green one of the best dive men in the history of pick and roll basketball in the last like 15 years yes you're gonna run that by the way the trade um to the D-low point and that's why i keep bringing it up is that really did make sense on a basketball court and that's because we you and i boiled it down that night and everyone kind of agreed this was just a move for them to keep their flexibility active enough and then what do you know they go and get wiggins and then it really really works out because <laughs> oh. wiggins turns around in their program 
Chris Paul is an expiring contract right now, and Jordan Poole is not, and I that's think that's point, yeah. all that this really mattered. I don't think that if if Chris Paul was Mike Conley, I think they still would have made this trade, to be honest. If Mike Conley was Kyle Lowry, I think they still would have made this trade. I think that it ultimately came down to getting an expiring contract out, uh, getting an expiring contract in and getting Jordan Poole out. Jordan Poole was not good for them last year. He was really good for them two years ago. He's probably somewhere in the middle, and he's still only 22 years old. He's got a lot left in his career, but the bottom line is the, the Warriors don't have time right now to figure it out because their tax bill is going to be so ludicrous. And but Again, he wasn't good for them last year, so they got to get another guard in there anyway because they're, they're on the window of now. And that's where Chris Paul comes in short term. So again, I think that's first and foremost the most important part. By the way, I mentioned this on the radio, a fun little wrinkle here, and our Australian correspondent David pointed this out. The Warriors could just pick up his team option next offseason and then trade him. Another using him as an expiring and then getting someone back if yeah. they really find the right trade partner, which would end up with Chris Paul and probably getting all Bad 120 news. million of that. When I think all of us agreed when the contract was signed, like he's not getting all of this and he could very I well. Guess. I guess is that up. a bad mood if you get that if you're going to like Washington? <laughs> so Washington finds a home for him, but I don't. Is he going to come off the bench? And that's something that you and I talked about a while, and I've just always said, like, he's never coming. He's Chris Paul. He's not coming off the bench. I've said this multiple times on this podcast, a bunch, whether it comes to this team, another team trading him, whatever, he's not coming off the bench. Then again, he would be behind one of the, when there are the greatest point guards of all time mentioned, it's him and another guy, and another guy that gets mentioned is Steph Curry. And on that team specifically, you've got Steph, Clay, Draymond, Wiggins. All four of those guys have to start. So now it's either you're starting a center, another wing, or you just go incredibly small and start Draymond at the five all year or Wiggins at the five all year. I do not think that they're going to do that over the regular season, at least, which would mean Chris Paul's coming off the bench. Like, even if like, like Clay comes off the bench, like, okay, who's guarding who then? Like, it, yeah. theoretically, let's say you play those five and there's no center and you think about it against the Suns, it actually kind of works out because. Wiggins guards Beal, Draymond guards Durant, and Clay guards Booker. Like theoretically, like that would so it would be enough for those guys to avoid those two Curry and Paul to avoid the major defensive responsibilities. But guess what? They're getting their number called over on screens all the time. Yeah, they would be prominently involved, and there would be two of them to target now instead of one. You can hide Steph Curry on the weakest guy, but most teams don't have two hideable guys on the floor. At least the really good teams. So defensively, they've got a bit to figure out, but I think offensively, it's going to be yeah fantastic. I think it's going to be really, really good. And if there is one team that is going to figure out how to get. Chris Paul did not hesitate wide open shooting threes. It's the Golden State Warriors. I think they are going to figure it out. And I think Steve Kerr as a coach, I think that Steph and Clay and Dre as teammates are just going to be not to say the Suns weren't on him, not to say Monty Williams as a coach wasn't capable, but I just think a different situation and him being. Let me know if you think this makes sense. I think him being more of a supporting cast member with more limited opportunities is going to make him even more. Um, Will it, uh, more understanding of like I have to shoot just just human nature when you go somewhere new you can hit reset easier that's and a good, say that's like the better way of putting it yeah. you know you you are going to fit in with them when he came to the Suns obviously he was going to play with book and be a guy with book so I think that's kind of a difference there so overall though I think if you're looking across at the contenders right now I think that we can lightly scratch out Golden State in terms of how, is one team in the West going to take a big step forward this offseason we can lightly scratch them out and that's the main impression from it uh, thank goodness this did not wind up in some weird situation where Chris was going to play for the Wizards and then there was like a, is he going to come to camp thing and then he comes to camp because he's Chris Paul and he's going to we're going to try and win with Corey Kispert and yeah. Daniel Gafford and uh, I can't even remember who they took um, in in the draft tonight, but that was my impression from that. Um, man, my hot take for wildest offseason ever. Not off to a good start. It really was coming into the draft, but this draft did not provide any fireworks at all, despite Scoot Henderson falling to three, yeah. which seemed to be like the light the match, put it in the gasoline kind of thing. Scoot falling to three seemed like the one, and apparently... 
Zach Lowe talked about earlier on his podcast this week, and then J.J. Redick just mentioned it on the broadcast about how, like, Mikel Bridges for three was a thing, um, and, like, Simons and three for Bridges was apparently an offer. Bridges, he got wind of it, apparently, because he tweeted out the Stefan Diggs gif of him, like, pounding his heart and crying, as if as if for him to tweet, if we're doing the tweet deciphering thing, to be like, that means a lot, thank you. And Because I, I remember hearing about that, and I was like, man, just let Mikel stay put. Like, stop moving him across the country. Another, like, seriously, you move him all the way over there, and now he has to go all the way back. I know he gets to play with Dane, but seriously. Um, so I think... that, that didn't happen. No Zion trade. And, man, even in terms of player movement, the biggest move involving an NBA player tonight, correct me if I'm wrong, was Rashawn Holmes going to Dallas on the town oh. because of a trade exception they picked up that Burton, night. Burton's goes because... They, they get a trade exception trading him to Oklahoma City. And then they use that trade exception like a half an hour later yeah. to get Rashawn Holmes in. Yeah, one of those guys. Holmes didn't play really last year, did he? So maybe Bertans. Anyway, uh, yeah. I think just on the Lillard point, uh, so Scoot Henderson, Simons, and Shane Sharp are with Dame. There's going to be movement there in some fashion. And... That's where, like, if we want to loop guessing games in here and say DA didn't get traded for a pick, now you got to trade. If the Suns are going to trade DeAndre Ayton, it would have to be kind of looping him in where money just needs to move around and good players need to move around and Suns benefit from a superstar moving. And I think that's where you can maybe take advantage of that situation. Um, but yeah, I, I guess one more nugget to add from Gambo was he says he has been saying Frank Vogel really does want to coach Aiden and we kind of heard an a decent explanation of that um when Vogel spoke what's he's gonna say when he was introduced they're they're in a pickle it's kind of like last offseason whether you believe that or not they're in a pickle they want value out of him obviously they're overvaluing him compared to the market I would. I was not going to be. I would have been surprised, but I was not going to be shocked today if his return was much more or more than I expected. Now I will be shocked. Yeah, I think after tonight I will be shocked. I think his value is low. I mean, I was thinking, and they just don't want to trade him for Gordon Hayward in the a yeah, second round pick. That, they do not want to do. Did that. I say that on a podcast? I, I put it in a story and that's to be the clear, kind I would of, I would have done that. That's yeah, that's the yeah. what my expectations already were. You get maybe you get a second round a higher second round pick in Gordon Hayward or something like that from Charlotte. And that was like, okay, that's where we're at heading into tonight and now we're at I have no idea. Um do you have any more on DA? Because I, I don't really want to go down that road um we could just... luke lipinski looking for a uh grasp at sanity <laughs> asked me when can we just know he's on the suns and not think about him as being traded and i was like when feel... he fulfills his potential i don't know like i don't think there will be a point this offseason we reach until the suns have filled out their roster in mid to late july um again his veto power does not um come off until July 15th. I still think, though, it's one of those things where you would agree to the trade and then the trade would just be executed in mid-July, like once yeah. the veto wore off. I think that Especially would be after the draft is yeah a simple fix. Yeah, they're, they're not out of the woods by any means yet, and I think that if I had to predict now, I think what's going to happen is they are going to fill out their roster as anticipated, but they are still going to be open just because they sign a couple of like they they start to have an idea of what their roster looks like. They're not going to rule out trade. They're not going to say no to phone calls in the third week of July. If teams come calling to them and say, here's a 20 percent better offer because we struck out on Chris Middleton and OGN and Obi and we thought we were yeah. going to be able to trade for Brandon Ingram and it never happened. Here's the 20 percent better. We need to make a splash this year. I think they would still welcome the conversations, and I ultimately still believe that's going to happen. I just, I just can't see him being back. It, it doesn't feel like I'm going crazy by any means because I understand why the conversation is happening. But it's, it was only two months ago when he played like that in the postseason, right? Like that wasn't that long ago. Yeah, we were here. It was, it's also a matter of I, it was, it was a month ago. In fact, it was a good six I, weeks ago. I can't even keep track of yesterday. So I, I don't know. Like the, 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 those two series, just like. 
in the, in the regular season as a whole. I don't know. The, the Jokic, I, I've talked about it enough. Yeah. I don't know. I, I, would I just barely say, tweet about the guy anymore because it's just every time it's... <laughs> Two quick things on it, though. The Jokic factor, I don't know how much it changes GM's minds, but that dude winning, it's like, okay, we need a center in return. And when you look at the teams that have centers and returns, we talked about this maybe. If it's like Washington Gafford, cheaper contract, undervalued. Wendell Carter Jr., same thing in Orlando. Walker Kessler, same thing in Utah, and they had interest. So that's where it's like if you even try to cherry pick the guys you would want in a return, it just doesn't make sense. And with Vogel, I think he does want a relatively competent starting center or a really good shot blocker who's going to split time and stuff like that. So I, I get that perspective. Anyway. The Suns did wind up making a selection tonight. They picked 52nd. They made the pick. And when... Okay, so we thought there was a possibility, and we mentioned this before. Gambo said it wasn't clear if the Suns were going to pick 52 or 57, but when we saw... When we got the Beal reports about second-round picks, we didn't know if it included 52. We did not know, and then Brian Windhorst in his story the next morning said that it's likely that the Suns have kept 52, and then Gambo reported a couple days later it's either going to be 52 or 57 because Washington owns 57, and then Woj's report coming out detailing all of the final terms today did not include 52 on it, so it was like, okay, they kept 52, and then ESPN's mock draft kept having the Suns down at 57 still. It had them in 57 the entire day. Yeah, Even after Woj announced change. that on ESPN, Woj is on, works for ESPN, it's in ESPN's mock draft, it's still there. And then, my goodness, when 52 comes up, what they've been doing now to make it less confusing for viewers when trades have already happened is they put proposed trade above the team picture and then put the real team that it's going to, and it said the pick was still going to the Wizards at pick 52. Someone didn't go into the system and, like, update it because clearly at some point ESPN had a really strong indication this is what was happening and went and changed it like everywhere but apparently they didn't update their stuff in time it did eventually by the end of that uh Chiron being there the thing was gone so I think they realized the mistake and took it down but it was there and then I think Sham Sharania who Look, if anyone's allowed to make a mistake on these <laughs> nights, it's Sham Sharania, it's Woj, it's those guys who are tweeting every single pick and are on it. And by the way, Shams is on like a live show, the FanDuel TV or whatever. Woj is on live TV. Like there's a lot going on for those guys. So Shams, shortly after tweeting that they're taking Tumani Kamara out of Dayton, tweets that this is a pick going to Washington as part of the Bradley Beal trade. And then I instantly get irritated because we've been waiting four and a half hours. It's 930. The draft started at five. We were so prepared. You and I spent a combined total of two and a half hours on the radio, probably just talking about the same sun subjects and dropping little draft nuggets where we could here and there. And then they wind up not even picking or are they picking 57? The tweet gets deleted. Shams later... Thankfully, and and to his credit, tweets out clarification and says, Suns are keeping this pick. Mistake, whatever. So they've got Tumani Kamara, who is a 6'8 forward out of Dayton. Again, you and I did not know who this was until... I looked at Daron Holmes, his teammate. There you go. But yeah, I mean, he... we we scramble to the draft guides. We scramble to Vicini, scramble to Vicini, ESPN, kind of get the look. The pitch from Vicini, if you could physically, from a frame standpoint, like a modern power forward, whatever you want to call it, the four, six eight, six nine, seven foot wingspan, two twenty two thirty rebounds, switch switchable defender. Yeah, that's what this guy does. So. Immediately, there's intrigue here for a four-year player, a guy who's 23, who's uh, from Brussels, Belgium, came over when he was 16, I believe, is what... Spent four years in high school, though, in um, Miami, or Hollywood, or Florida. So it would have been Florida. 14, yeah, um, that Vicini had in his draft guide. Uh, averaged 14 points, nine rebounds, two assists, a steal, and a block a game. He shot 55% from the field, 36% from three. And this is to the point of, well, why is this guy available then if he sounds this good? And that's where you get to the drawbacks is his three-point shot is 
pretty basic. It, it looks fine again. It's just got to go. It's, it's just got to go in. And he shot thirty percent from three in his previous two seasons combined, coming into his senior year, which is when he shot thirty six percent. 2.4 attempts per game, 80, which isn't a ton to go off of. And this is where you look for other indicators. You look at free throw percentage, and he only shot 63% at the line across all four years. His four years of free throw percentage, um, free throw percentages by his years, 62.5, 62.1, 59.1, 66.9. So the three-point percentage went up from 26.3, 33.8 to 36.3. But the free throw percentage mainly stayed there. The offensive rebounding really, really good, by the way, to a game over his over his college career, which is really good. When I dove into the tape, and again, what I mean by diving into the tape is I found a couple of Twitter <laughs> yeah. videos just to get an initial we impression had- of what these strengths were. Um, shout out to Mavs Draft, who is one of the few guys out there still grinding on tape that hasn't been hired by a team yet. Remember when Cole and all these guys would have videos everywhere from the whole year we could go through. Those guys were hired by NBA teams now. Yeah. <laughs> and he could be well on his way, I guess, with the, the trend there. Um, had a minute uh, highlight reel of him defending and can move his feet well against guards. And more, most importantly for me, and this has always been a big thing for me, when you're 222 30 and you're strong, you need to be able to use that strength in like a basketball way because people think about like physicality and all that stuff. It's like it's not just bumping and boxing out guys. Like, can you defend with your chest? And he can. And not a quick twitch athlete, but more of like a give me a second to get on two feet and I can explode on a ball. Nimble. Like so the pitch here is he defends three positions, he rebounds, and he hits threes at an average rate, and you've got a useful rotation player. Not a potential starter down the line, probably not, unless his three-point shot really gets there, his defense gets even better, but a guy who could play for you, perhaps. Spent two years at Georgia. Actually had a pretty good season in SEC play, so not just A-10, and then he transferred the A-10, was really good for two years there. Uh, I think for me, just watching, again, I had an hour to prep for this, as you were writing and reading as well. Um, you see little stuff like floating into space, um, when people are driving, when he's on the weak side and they'll kick out and he, like his defenders kind of looking and he'll slide into an easy passing lane. Um, he has really nice, you actually couldn't tell if you just like put a bunch of clips of just his floater game. Um, you couldn't tell if he's left or right handed. He used right hand a lot, even though he's left handed. So there's that. Um, there's... A lot of nice touch around the rim, but again, he's not super explosive, so it'd be like cutting, he's good at that. So if he's moving off the ball, he should be good when he gets kind of in floater range. Um, so there's a lot of stuff to like, and also uh, I should mention passing. If he's, you know, he can pop, he can roll, and he had a couple like really nice touch passes where um, he's the roll man, catches it, and makes a really quick secondary pass. Um, so all that stuff like kind of makes sense, right? Like we talked about complimenting the three stars. He fits all that as far as scoring himself. Again, the shot, we don't know if that's really going to be that good. And we don't know whether like he can create an off the dribble really at all. Like again, it's an explosion issue, but also a lot of his offense was generated by like kind of crab dribbling awkwardly into space and then posting guys, which he's not going to be able to post guys at the next level. So. So Chris Murray went 23 to the Trailblazers, who were criminally robbed him one spot from playing with his brother in Sacramento, who surely would have taken him, A, because he's a really good wing prospect, and B, to play with his twin brother. No duck, come on. Something I wrote for Chris Murray in the draft guide is that the appeal in the Suns drafting Chris Murray is because you just can't get wings like this anywhere else with their situation. What I mean by that is a 6'8", defend multiple positions, long, rebounds, shoots, shoots. And he's just, I haven't looked around, but I mean, he's a lefty like Chris Murray. So maybe someone's made the lazy comp, but it's actually not that lazy. It's just Chris Murray is a way better version of him, of course, to be clear, but that's sort of what it looks like. And to my point, you, you draft this guy at this spot because you are not going to be able to find a potential three and D six, eight guy. Like you're just not going to be able to really find that guy. So if this guy can put the three together and, to compare to previous draft picks, um, Jalen Smith, for example, was someone who the Suns tried to turn into something he wasn't. Mm-hmm. Like Kamara already is what he is, and they're going to have him be what he is. They're not going to make him be a ball handling 
point forward. Like he's going to be in the corner, take some defensive assignments, do some switching, crash the glass. He's going to be the Tory Craig slash. I think I saw Jacob Padilla, our friend, um, make a Tory Craig comp on the timeline. It's like it. That's basically the role. Is like not a lot of ball handling, spot up shooting, switchable defender. I'm not sure if he's quick enough to take like a point guard necessarily. And I think Tory more so in his earlier years in Phoenix was there. I didn't see that from Kamara in the little bit I saw, just the tiny slim pickings that I saw. To your point on the passing, I did see the passing clips as well. But 173 turnovers or 173 assists in 273 yeah. turnovers over his four year career. Like the turnovers were a pretty consistent part of his game throughout all three levels like even um at georgia as a freshman when he was playing 24 minutes a game he was averaging a turnover and a half a game and that was when he was averaging six and a half points a game so yeah it's been a pretty consistent part of his uh, game but so is pretty much everything else four free throws a game not bad for a limited guy and a hoop math somewhere you and i really relied on when we used to dig into the draft um some pretty good stats at the rim something i did point out in the uh thing it was that yeah, th- these recovery blocks are pretty sweet against a10 athletes you know like, yeah. when, like an nba athlete being in the a10 like you're going to get a couple of those clips and there's a nasty poster dunk in there too um so keep that in mind with these numbers but 43 percent of his shots at the rim unassisted which Okay, a decent amount of this was on your own, which is good to see. And he shot 72% at the rim. That's really good stuff. Yeah. It's really good stuff. Um, and, and he took 50% of his shots at the rim, too. So a whole lot of those. In fact, the, the total number, he took 162 shots at the rim. So you're we'll, looking at a 30-college we'll game season. That's like over five shots a game at the rim. We'll say that that site, I, I feel like a lot of those attempts are like on very close up post ups where I don't a couple more tell. dribbles. It's like four, three it's or four like dribbles. You yeah. ain't getting that shot off against NBA athletes, but a, a little one I do like for uh, correlation in terms of three point shooting 39% on two point jumpers. I remember Precious Achua, we saw like 18%, and we yeah. were like, oh no, oh no, <laughs> nothing like that. <laughs> nothing like that. Again, it's not a lot of shots. It's 84 two point jumpers that you saw, but 39%, not bad. And again, it's like a little bit, there's a, there's a little bit of Sam Perkins to it, a little bit to it. Uh, the Suns, by the way, thankfully made the selection official in an email just now. So, wow. Thankfully, we do not have to live a nightmare here wondering if this pick is going. <laughs> if we go to sleep and it's like, no, anything. that thing that you put on the website um, is completely wrong. Like that. In terms of things that we um, were looking at going into the night and potential moves, uh, potential storylines involving like what could happen with the Suns and stuff. A couple of the guys that I mentioned, by the way, um, a good night for my uh, three-day dart throw, read scouting reports on guys and see if they fit the NBA and what the Suns are looking for thing. Julian Strahler, who was ranked in the 40s, and I wrote in the thing, I don't get why this guy's not 15 spots higher, and I wrote that as one of the few guys who I saw play half a dozen games over the last year or two. He goes 29 to the Denver Nuggets, uh, yeah, the, maybe the best sh- the best shooter maybe that I watched in terms of the guys that I saw, the dozen or so that I saw enough games of to make that kind of claim. Putting him with Jamal Murray and Nicole Jokic, yes, that seems like yeah, a good idea, Denver Nuggets. Good job. Kobe Brown goes 30 to, uh, to the Clippers. I believe that holds the Clippers again. The most annoying thing about this, Rusilla tweeted this, and he's like, I follow this stuff for a living and I'm lost. <laughs> he did in terms of who's picking where, who the pick belongs to and stuff. Uh, ben Shepard went 26 to the Pacers. Again, put shooters around Tyrese Halliburton. Yep, that seems like a good idea. You should do that. Yep, yep, yep. Jaime Hawkes, Heat Culture, 18. Sunglasses, Heat Culture. Pajemski, um, you should have seen Vin- Vince Morata's face when I told him the stat there, that my favorite stat that I found in another Hoop Math original was Pajemski had 44% of his threes unassisted, which is crazy for a guard. And he shot 44% from three, which is just nuts. And you put that guy next to Chris Paul and Draymond Green. And then I joked they got rid of a Splash Brother in the morning, and then they replaced him with a Splash Brother <laughs> at night. A weird development of the night. Cam Whitmore fell to 20. It seems like that was a medical issue, um, something coming up there. And then I believe Woj reported that um, the next guy that I was going to mention in terms of our, our draft pals and who we were kind of looking around to the Milwaukee Bucks traded a 2030 second round pick and cash. We don't know the cash amount yet for pick 36. 
We talked about this as a possibility. We didn't know the Suns traded every single second round pick that they could. <laughs> we thought coming into the night they might have one or two left to trade with cash, but they did not. Uh, and Milwaukee gets one of my favorite guys in the draft, Andre Jackson Jr. out of Connecticut. Can't shoot, but he can do literally everything else. He is an awesome passer. I really look forward to seeing him on that team where there's just a bunch of really smart, skilled players, and he's going to fit right in with that. He's going to have to shoot to be a starter or a guy who's on the court at the end of games, but doesn't mean he can't be a winning piece on a really good team. And you know what's good when you're like a role player type is when he gets to play with Giannis and Drew Holiday and Brooke Lopez and maybe Chris Middleton. (laughs) Mike Vigo pointed this out. Like it seems like Chris Middleton has just got them by the by the you know what's because they they can't really add players in any other way. They just have to re-sign their dudes. Yeah. So he can get however much money he wants. But but his knee no work anymore, (laughs) Kevin. Uh oh. (sighs) Poor guy. Those other two Denver picks, Jalen Pickett out of Penn State was one that was like in every mock, and it was one of those things like, oh, I guess he's going to Denver, and he did. Uh, uh, talk about one of our favorite pastimes in basketball. We talk about America's pastime baseball. Basketball's pastime power guards. We've got a 6'2 point guard that loves to post up, Kevin. Let's see how it goes. <laughs> and then they added Hunter Tice down to Clemson, another shooter. Um, there were a couple of other picks in here that kind of went throughout the night. I haven't seen any Jalen Clark news at all. He was another guy oh, we talked yeah. about on here. I haven't seen him on any other two-way stuff, but to end on that note... Nothing. No two ways. Nothing. What do we got? A couple summer league signings. We got two summer league names. So a big far, that's guy. It. Is it Trey Jemison? I would. I would UAB estimate there's been twenty to twenty five two way signings so far that have just been r- reported. Not one. Suns didn't get one. Not that we know of. Well, there's always next year. I'm going to keep saying it every year and people are going to get tired of it. I'm going to keep saying it every single year. It is. Dude, the uh, 76ers signed, I believe it's four two ways and one exhibit 10 that I, that have been reported. And I'm a, I'm just guessing that's just like, we're going to cut some of you, but you get some money now. The Lakers just seem to know this is a good idea. They signed, um, they did Austin Reeves. And then that year, I can't remember. Do you remember the Gonzaga wing? Cannot remember his name. He oh. did. He did not pan out. But you know who I'm talking about. They signed um, Castleton, the Florida center, and then they signed uh, the guard out of Mizzou, uh, Hodge, I believe. Mm-hmm. M. Doy, uh, Des Moines, I think. I can't remember who exactly it was. But there are certain teams, like you mentioned, the Sixers immediately signed uh, Traquan Smith, I believe it was, the shooting guard out of SC. Traquane Smith has um, a longer name. And then Azulis Tubelis, friend of the pod. Yes. Big Zoo getting a two-way contract at a babe zoo. Good luck to him next to Ho- Hope it goes. Hope yeah. it goes well for him. Hopefully he can learn a lot from Embiid <laughs> and use it uh, in his professional career going forward. Again, not sure he's an just NBA player, but just shoot a three just, every once just in a while. Just get those threes going. Get it going. That it? I think so. My Jordan Miller pick, they went he went to the Clips a few picks before the Suns, five I believe at forty seven, and then Imani Bates, who was widely mocked to the Suns because he was once compared to Kevin Durant, and one time he spoke to Kevin Durant, he went before the Suns' pick. So we didn't get to find out whether they had those two on the board, which way you go. But uh I think it would have been Jordan Miller based on the uh Kamara pick. Uh Walker out of Houston. Kaysen Wallace out of Kentucky and Kobe Bufkin out of Michigan were my three. Can they get in a good situation, guys? I always have those every year in the first round. Walker gets to play with Tyrese Halliburton. That seems like a really, again, the modern, I'm sure if you got Chris Paul on a mic, he would talk about how the modern floor general and like what a point guard is, is lost on us now as a society. (laughs) Tyrese Halliburton is a point guard. Yeah. And I just love the fact that one of these Six four, six five, dynamic, incredibly skilled guys is still like a point guard who does floor general stuff, who reads the floor. Like all those guys read the floor. Don't get me wrong. You know what I'm saying. And he gets to go there. They've got a lot of scoring already. They've got a lot of Miles Turner stuff going on. He can be the four, do hyper athletic things. The Oklahoma City Thunder continue to get long, skilled players. Kaysen Wallace seems like I, defensively him and Lou Dort, like that's two semi trucks that move like <laughs> cheetahs. <laughs> I don't really understand how you're going to score on either of those guys if they play them together. 
and they've got Shea and they've got Giddy. Like, there's a lot of offensive and defensive to put uh, skill to put around him. And then uh, Buffkin went to Atlanta, which is like, if I was a prospect and I ended up in Atlanta and Houston, it's like there's 19 people Please. here. What am I? Who am I? What am I supposed to do? <sighs> Jordan Hawkins to New Orleans. New Orleans yeah, is has a good one. Uh, Ingram, McCollum. There's some Trey Murphy stuff going on, percolating a bit at times last year. Dyson Daniels had some moments, so they've got a lot of on-ball equity before you even get to Zion. So just adding a... Let's just get the smart shooter. Yeah. Yep. Every time. Easy enough. Was there anyone... Marcus Sasser went to Detroit with Monty. Just going to be Javon Carter. I can't remember if the Kings wound up with anyone. They traded 24 in the Rashawn Holmes move. Jordan Walsh, I believe, wound up going to Boston. If I remember correctly, that sounds correct. After they traded, you were down living a in a weird times. reality where some guy named Gregory Jackson II, who if you have five minutes, Google that guy and see the roller coaster that dude's been on. Marcus Carr out of Texas will play summer league for the Phoenix Suns. There's another one. Grant Sherfield, I believe, is the other one. Oklahoma point guard on the summer league for the Suns. One of the Summer League reports said they're going to compete for a two-way. It's like, oh, great, you know you're going to have your two-way in the second week of July. That's just fantastic. Good stuff. Can I rant about something before we go? Shoot. Okay. Oh, he just did his mic. He's serious this time. Here he goes. I got to get my information in front of me. <laughs> the Washington Wizards, Kevin, mm-hmm. are being applauded for their efforts. Let me repeat that. The Washington Wizards are being applauded for their efforts. They've got Bradley Beal, top 40 player in the league. That's being conservative. I think he's top 25. Yeah. Chris Apps Porzingis. You can't find a valuable big much these days. He's one of them. He had a really good year. Mm -hmm. Those who watch the Wizards... Notice how I'm not pointing at myself, Kev. Didn't watch him. Said he had a really good year. Kyle Kuzma, who this guy did watch because he wanted to write a Hannah Montana story, and he did, (laughs) is a really good basketball player. They are potentially going to lose all three of those guys to blow it up, quote-unquote. And they are being applauded for blowing it up. Kevin, when you blow it up, you got to have something left. When the Oklahoma City Thunder did it, they had five million first-round picks. They had Shea Gilgis-Alexander. They had a lot of stuff. Houston, five million picks. Jalen Green, Jabari Smith, they've got stuff already. The Brooklyn Nets, they've got some picks back now. They've got Mikel Bridges, who's a future all-star. The Washington Wizards gave up Bradley Beal, Chris Stapps Porzingis, and they're probably going to lose Kyle Kuzma for nothing, it looks like now. They got back Jordan Poole, who at this moment is one of the worst contracts in the league, the worst, and that does not define him as a basketball player, but he was not a good basketball player last year. Is he going to average 28 points per game there? Yes. I don't know how much it's going to matter, but it's going to be tough to read him as a player after the tough year that he had last year. He was really good two years ago, not good last year. They got the expiring contract, which no one seems to mention, (laughs) of Tyus Jones, who is literally Monte Morris. He is literally Monte Morris. They have two of the same point guard. Monte Morris. I don't understand. Now, are they going to move DeLon Wright or Tyus Jones or Monte Morris? It sure seems like they are. I believe they drafted another guard tonight. So they are going to be moving one of those guys. I will wait patiently to see who they move. They got, and Kevin, people are listing him, no shots intended, the expiring contract of Landry Shamit, who has proven for two years so far that he is not an NBA player anymore. He's been traded how many times now? This is the fourth time he's been traded, I believe. This is the fourth time he's been traded. They have one protected first-round pick, one, and it is protected. Again, a first-round pick, they have one, and it is protected. They have four first-round swaps. Three of them are not going to matter. One might matter. If that one matters, great. And if they hit on it and it winds up being a top 10 pick and they would have picked 22nd or whatever, 
I will applaud them in seven years. In the words of Bobby <laughs> Marks, of God, if we're even here. <laughs> and on a, on a tweet I'm seeing, they have eight second round picks. Why on earth does that matter? And they are being applauded for what they did. You're missing the biggest news of the day. Hey, Kevin, <laughs> who signed Bradley Beal to that horrible contract? Washington. Who gave Bradley Beal that horrible no-trade clause that screwed them? The Washington Wizards. Who could have signed them to that, albeit, horrible contract, but realized in hindsight, you know what, our team's kind of bad, and this is probably going to go south, but we need to pay this guy. We need to be loyal to him. We need to see if it's going to work out. We'll give it one more shot with these other guys. We'll make some other moves. But we can't give you the no-trade clause because if you want to, in the invite you're going to want to move because, hey, we're the Washington Wizards and things typically go horrible for us all the time. We can't give you the no trade clause, Brad. It's too bad. You know what they could have done? They could have traded Bradley Beal. And you know what they would have gotten? A lot First. more than they got right now. A lot more. A whole lot more. What is going on? If I give missed. directions to someone... Okay. I work at a in, in a gas station in the desert. You know the drive to Vegas from here. Mm-hmm. You kind of go through forty five minutes where you are like, where exactly are we in the world right now? And then there is a random gas station. I am at that gas station, and I tell this woman, "Ma'am, you are going to want to head right. Just keep going. If she just goes left, comes back to me, goes left, comes back to me, goes left, comes back to me, and then on the sixth time she goes right, should we be like?" Amazing job. You did it. That's so great, ma'am. I told you six times to go right, and you went left. But you know what? I'm standing up right now. What is going on? Man. Have we lost it? You still miss the biggest news of their day. What? The Qatar Investment Fund something something would like to put some money into that that team that did all those things. Anyway, I wouldn't waste too much more energy on that team. I just couldn't believe what I was seeing. I just couldn't <laughs> believe what I was seeing. It was did just they? like a lot of think pieces about how the Wizards did well, and I'm like, what? there's a way to give them compliments for the for having a direction while also criticizing them for how they got in this position and how they failed to take that direction multiple times when they should have multiple times when they should have again why doesn't anyone talk about what they could have gotten for bradley beal three or four years ago when they were just as bad why is no one talking about that is it a cop out they have a new gm because like does he wait around for this, or he's like, I just don't care. I'm just gonna. It get seems it. Get that rid seems of it. to be that the, the, the owner down. is letting the GM do what he wants now. That's like that seems to be like the the. Did he have to sell the owner on? That's why I don't understand. Yeah, I don't understand. To be clear, I'm I'm just it it's it's over the top. They deserve credit, but it's just it's it's a lot. It's a lot for me. Hey, do you want to give away a bunch of money you're going to spend just to like get to being miserable now even more? I don't know if what I said just made sense, but like they literally just, got that he literally burned everything down. To be clear, their rebuild swaps. Again, they're not picks, they're swaps. They are just going to have to really, really nail some picks, because right now, they've got Denny Abdu who's going to be a good NBA player. They've got Corey Kispert who could be a rotation player. But like, Monte Morris, no disrespect to him, they traded doesn't up deserve to, to be on this team. They traded up to take Bilal Koulibaly, the kid out of France. Yeah. Just a tire fire. Free Monte Morris. I'm I'm upset that I give it this much credence because people are gonna think like I'm actually like really, really mad about this. I'm not. It's just I had to say it somewhere. <laughs> and uh This is the place. Yeah. Cause it's like it, it's it's the Hannibal Burris Eric Andre show gift where it's like we're all looking for who did this, you know? 
You know the meme I'm talking about? Where Eric Andre has the smoking gun, Hannibal Burris is shot on the couch, and oh, they're like, yeah, we're yeah. all looking for who did this. It's like, we're all looking for who got the Wizards in this position, and it was the Washington Wizards. Or perhaps the hot dog meme from I Think had, You Should Leave. If you do a rebuild attempt for them in the last three years, 100 times out of 100, this is one of the worst outcomes. Yeah, They could have had rebuild? so many better rebuilds. Yeah. It's hard to rebuild. It's when like you they have, have a new no GM. Money. They did uh, it. Yay. It's like, why didn't you do it two years, three years ago? Why does it matter? Okay, I'm sorry. I'm doing it again. What was it? Did you watch Toonami growing up? I'm going to do that so many times. No. Not a Mobile Suit Gundam guy? No. Yu-Gi-Oh? Dragon Ball Z? I just watched Pokemon. and Was Codename Kids Next Door on Toonami? If you're still listening, let me know and you know the answer. I was a Mobile Suit Gundam guy. Talking to yourself here. I'm lost. You know what I can compliment them on? I, by the way, I, we said it and I wrote it. It it makes sense as a pick. I'm excited to see him at Summer League. Let's see how he looks. Who? Tumani Kamara. Okay. The guy they picked. I was just making sure you weren't on the Wizards still. <laughs> <laughs> well, it, it was mildly relevant because I roasted their rebuild and it could wind up being prevalent to the Suns in five years when those picks are swapping or not swapping. I don't know. Okay, do you want to go home now? Yeah, we're good. We will be back next week. Again, as of right now, we do not have... Drew Peterson's going to the heat, which makes sense also. Oh, that's a, that's a, that's a heat culture boy if I've ever seen one. Um, We'll be back next week. Uh, just to be clear on the schedule going forward, we'll, next week... Veterans minimum guys, and then for the next three weeks, are, are do you have a trip coming up or no? Am I making that up? I'm making, weekends. I'm making that Might up. Be out of town. We will be here to cover the main events of their off season. It's weird because it's a DeAndre Aiden trade, a veterans minimum signing, and like, that's it. <laughs> Bradley Beal intro, maybe. Ah, uh, that should be at some point next week. I would assume. But we'll be back next week to talk about that and Veterans Minimum Targets, but I'm hosting shows the next three weeks, so it might be kind of scattered in terms of when we get to stuff. There might not be a... If you're looking for the Instapod and you're refreshing your feed because they traded DA, uh, I'm going to be on shows. You're going to be doing editing shifts, so it might not be as instantaneous, but we'll keep you guys updated. And We've still got a couple weeks here to go before we hit the offseason again. Signings coming up in free agency, still a potential trade on the horizon. We've got Tumani. I'm so close to saying Tsunami every time. I just gotta yeah. stop thinking about Tsunami or talking about Tsunami. My brain just was like, I don't know if he's saying that or the other. Yeah. <laughs> it's a sign we should stop recording. Goodbye, everyone. <laughs>